O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
The Lord was my stay in the day of my calamity. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. For thou wilt save the afflicted people, but wilt break down high looks. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord was my stay in the day of my calamity. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me, because he delighted in me. The Old Testament lesson for the second Sunday after Trinity is written in the ninth chapter of Proverbs, beginning at the first verse. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved out her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maidens. She cries from the highest places of the city, Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. As for him who is void of understanding, she says to him, Come, eat some of my bread. Drink some of my wine which I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of understanding. One who corrects a mocker invites insult. One who reproves a wicked man invites abuse. Don't reprove a scoffer, lest he hate you. Reprove a wise person, and he will love you. Instruct a wise person, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous person, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the third chapter of the first epistle of St. John, beginning at the thirteenth verse. Don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. He who doesn't love his brother remains in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life remaining in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and then closes his heart of compassion against him, how does God's love remain in him? My little children, let's not love in word only or with the tongue only, but in deed and truth. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. In my distress I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who will feast in God's kingdom. But he said to him, A certain man made a great supper, and he invited many people. He sent out his servants at supper time to tell those who were invited, Come, for everything is ready now. They all as one began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I must go try them out. Please have me excused. 
Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I can't come. That servant came and told his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor, maimed, blind, and lame. The servant said, Lord, it is done as you commanded, and there is still room. The Lord said to the servant, Go out in the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you that none of these men who were invited will taste of my supper. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On Friday, decades of prayer were answered. For decades it felt so out of reach and many times so impossible, but on Friday, Roe was finally overturned. Now, despite the knee-jerk reactions on all sides to Roe versus Wade being overturned, the overturning of Roe does not make abortion illegal throughout the country. But what it does do is put the decisions of the legality of abortion on the states and elected officials in legislatures throughout the country. What it means is, in the public square, we have more of an opportunity to argue for life and show that life begins at conception. For us Christians who have prayed for Roe's end, it was never about just a single court decision, nor just about the laws that are on the books. It's been about protecting the life made in the image of God, beginning at conception. About loving the life which is born and supporting the parents who will raise that life. That's why we support birthright here in Spencer, and why we should also discuss ways of supporting it more if we can. And for us in the church, it's about bringing that life, those parents, that family, to the font of life, where they may be baptized into the Lord of life, where we may suffer the little ones to come to Him. For us, it is about love and life, the love of God for all people, no matter how big or small and the life which he creates in his image. Yet following the court decision on Friday, there were reports that opposition groups of the court were gearing up for a night of destruction, so it was called. Federal officials had been following leads in the week leading up to the decision, leads which pointed to Roman Catholic churches and crisis pregnancy centers being targeted for violence. And while we Lutherans know the difference between us and Roman churches, Roman Catholic churches, the opposition doesn't. Our own churches were most likely lumped in to those that were targeted. And while this night of destruction did not manifest as fully as feared, and we thank God for that, Friday night, the night of the decision, was still a night of violence. For instance, in Longmount, Colorado, a crisis pregnancy center was vandalized and set on fire. In Arizona, protests and mobs nearly held state legislatures hostage as officials deployed tear gas. In Oregon, a night of rage, as they called it, led protesters to surround a pregnancy center and threw smoke bombs at police. And that's not to mention the other clashes between protesters and police in cities like Los Angeles and throughout the country. 
all of this is a reminder of what St. John tells us today. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We shouldn't be surprised by this violence that we saw over the weekend or the violence that is probably to come. We've been told we're hated, to expect it. But if the world hates us, dear Christians, let it hate us not because of our arrogance or pride or foolish talk or negligence of those in need or lack of wisdom. If it is going to hate us, let it hate us because of our faith which clings to the word and sacraments. Let it hate us for our love for God and life or our love for our neighbor that is kind enough to be honest about the law, about sin, then also the gospel which saves. If we are to be hated, let us be hated for being Christian. And from this, St. John writes, we know that we have passed out of death into life. And, John also says, by this we know love, that he, Christ, laid down his life for us. Now, as the world hates the church and persecutes her, where do we turn as the church? What do we do? And as for where do we turn, John reminds us that we know we have passed out of death into life, that is, conceived in sin. We used to dwell and abide in death, but we have passed out of death and now we dwell and abide in life. We pass out of death into life in our baptism. That's what John is reminding us of here. Where in the waters united to Christ's death, our sinful flesh is put to death in Christ. Where in the waters united to Christ's resurrection, we arise from those waters as new men in Christ, alive with the hope of the resurrection. We passed out of death into life through the waters by way of the cross and the empty tomb. And now we abide in life. That's what St. John tells us. We abide. We, we dwell in life. That's what we are doing every time we receive the body and blood of our Lord at this altar. Because when we partake, we abide in him who is life, and he abides in us. That's what happens in the Lord's Supper. We abide in him and him in us. Another way to say this is, the love of God leads to life. The love of God leads to life. It was the love of God which led him to create all of creation and mankind in his image. And even after the fall, it was the love of God which led him to send his son to be crucified and die for our sins, so that we may have life anew in him. This divine love, the image of Christ crucified, which defines love, is to us life. The love of God leads to life. Without God's love, there is no life. With God's love, there has to be life, because divine love and life are that intertwined. And so in persecution, where do we turn? Well, St. John tells us here. We turn to him who made us pass over from death to life. We turn to the love of God, to Christ crucified. And now, forgiven and made alive in Christ, what are we to do in persecution? That's the next question. And to this, St. John writes, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 
Notice that when the world hates us and persecutes us, John doesn't have us turn to the world. He doesn't have us turn within ourselves. He doesn't even tell us how to engage with the world or how to love those in the world who hate us. Now, we do love those who hate us. That's what Christ tells us. And we know in our vocations that we are to do this. But here in this passage that St. John writes to us, he says that when we are hated, we are to turn to Christ crucified. And then John tells us what we are to do. Love the brothers. The brothers being the baptized fellow Christians. Those whom you are in communion with. Those whom you are made one with in Christ. In fact, John says we know we are saved in Christ crucified because we love the brothers. Notice what John is not saying. He's not saying we are saved because we love the brothers. No, he says we know we are saved because we love the brothers. The love we have for our brothers in Christ is the evidence, not the cause, but the evidence that we are saved. What would it say about us if the world hated us and persecuted us, and we turn around and react by then hating our brothers in the faith, by letting the hatred of the world become our hatred towards those we are one with? That would be to let the hatred of the world cause divisions among us. It would be to reject the love of God for the brother and for ourselves and to then dwell in death. Again, love and life are intertwined. Where there is no love, there is no life. Where we hate our brother, we reject God's love. And there is nowhere else for us to abide and dwell in than death. There's no eternal life to, to dwell in there. We abide only in death. But John is saying here that if we are saved and made new creatures in Christ crucified, if the love of God leads to life eternal, then being creatures now of eternal life also leads to love of the brothers. In hatred and persecution, we look to Christ crucified and we turn to the brothers. And this new nature in Christ where we are able to love our brothers, is proof, evidence, that he has brought us by way of divine love into life eternal. John then says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart, his sympathies, against him, how does God's love abide in him? We know what love is because of the image of Christ crucified in which it is found. And from this love, having been given life in him, we also are to love like him in being willing to lay down even our lives for the brothers, for each other. Our first duty then is to our brothers, that men may know Christ in our love for each other. So John is saying this, if we have life in Christ, then we also have love for the brothers. If we have love for our brothers, then we are willing to lay down our lives for them as Christ did for us. And if we are willing to lay down our lives for the brothers, would we not also be willing then to sacrifice and give of our lesser possessions, our earthly possessions, for their needs? 
Now let's stop here and consider for a moment, if you will, the gospel lesson for today, where Christ says there is a man who is God, who sends out his invitation, that is, his word and baptism, to invite people to his banquet, which is the Lord's Supper. God sends out the good news of his love to all those who have been invited, that is, baptized, to the banquet. Now, Christ, in his context, is speaking here about the Jews. But today, he could just as easily be speaking about the many who are baptized. And what do the many do? What do the invited do when they hear of his love, of God's love? They make excuses. One says he bought a field and had to go see it. Another said he had five oxen and had to go examine them. Still another said he had to go be with his wife instead because his family was more important. All of them were too busy with their earthly possessions, their business endeavors, even their families than to be bothered to take up the divine invitation. They were too busy with earthly things to come to church and feast at the banquet. And what's interesting is, every if you notice, every excuse made by these men to reject God's love are also the same excuses that many make when we are called to love our brothers. They're the same excuses. And we're all guilty of this. If Bob needs help that will require our time to sacrifice our time, oh, sorry, you know, we just can't help. Work is too busy. If Jan is short on money to pay her bills, well, sorry, nope, I just can't sacrifice the luxuries I have. That's our answer. If Joe needs someone to talk to when he's depressed or anxious or down in life, We think, sorry, I've got to spend time with my family instead to keep that positive energy. And to be fair, sometimes vocations do demand that our attention go to one place rather than to another. But often we use our vocations as false masks to avoid having to help others. And again, notice, the excuses used to reject God's invitation, to reject God's love, are the exact same excuses we use to avoid loving our brothers. To reject our brothers. And think of what that means if we reject our brothers. It means creating divisions between the brothers. It means creating division among the baptized. It means creating division in our communion. And where a communion is divided among the brothers, there the love of God cannot exist. Love and life exist together. Where there's division, that's hatred, not love. Because to reject God's love is to close our hearts against our brothers. To close our hearts against the brother is also to close our heart from God's love. Because love and life are that intertwined. To reject the one is to reject the other. To have a new nature in in life eternal is to have the fruits of love to each other. They're there together or not at all. So then, at all times, but especially in times of persecution, to love the brothers means this. It's to want to be with them while we are hated. In and outside of the divine service, it's wanting to be with them. It's to cling to them when we are despised. It is to defend them and be by their side when they are unjustly attacked. Even if it's just about baking a cake or arranging flowers, 
It means publicly defending them. To love the brothers is to show them every consideration, to suffer their weaknesses with them, to learn from each other as we lean on each other. And this brotherhood is only strengthened when we worship and receive God's gifts more and more and more together. And how can we withstand persecution without the brotherhood in Christ? Without being willing to lay down our lives for one another, being willing to sacrifice lesser things for one another. We look to Christ. We live in the brotherhood. He gives us this brotherhood to withstand hatred and persecution that the world throws out throws at us. And as one of our theologians put it, we may not have to sacrifice by dying. That is, we may not actually have to die for our brothers. But we are bound to be living sacrifices for them until we die. And then John finishes his epistle today saying, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. That is, let us not make excuses like those in the gospel lesson when it comes to loving the brother. Let us not think empty words and niceties are enough to help our brother in need. But instead, may our love in Christ actually manifest itself in sacrificing for each other. Because the world hates us. That becomes increasingly clear year by year, and it will become clearer in the, in the years ahead yet. And for those of us who have passed over from death into life in Christ, may we love the brotherhood, because we need each other. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
upon thee to deliver me when it's humble thyself to be born of a virgin and thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers thou sittest at the right hand of God mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, who never fails to help and govern those whom you bring up in your steadfast fear and love, make us to have a perpetual fear and love of your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, 
that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise, and with thy honor all the day.
O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen. Thank you.